0: in Exodus chapter 20. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 20, or you can pull open the app. All If you get today's sermon notes on the app, all the scriptures on there for you. Um, Open your bulletin and pull out your message guide so that you can take notes um, if you're not an electronic type of person. And if you need a Bible, our ushers will come down the Bible. Um, If you want to use a Bible today, if you forgot one or you don't have one, just wave at our ushers. They'll give it to you. We've given away more than a thousand Bibles since our church began. So if you need a Bible today to follow along, just wave at them. um, They'll give it to you. If you don't have one, put your name in it. Or if you don't know where yours is, put your name in this one and keep it. Um, We'd be glad for you to have it. And let me ask you this question as we jump into the message today. What's the most important day in your life? I mean, I want you to look backwards from today and, and think about for a minute, what is the most important day in the history of your life? Or if you could boil it down to less than 10, what 10 days would make the list of the most important days In the history of your life I I thought about that this week as I did a little bit of an exercise and I came up with four or five That all really kind of created who I am. The first was March 25th 1984 on March 25th 1984 It was a Sunday That's the day that with my mom and dad kneeling in our living room on my couch um, That I gave my heart to Jesus and I committed to try to follow him the best that I knew how I was six years old Then the thing that makes that date really really clear to me is the faith of my mother. Uh, I have this little Bible that I've had since that week when I was six years old. It's one of my most treasured possessions because my mom, who is one of the most faithful Christians that I know, um, I can't remember a day of my childhood where I didn't see my mom reading her Bible, um, I can't remember a time when I couldn't sneak down and read her journal because she journaled every day what God was saying to her about me and my, my sisters. Um, but my mom was one of the most faithful Christians that I knew. And my mom, that after I gave my heart to Jesus when I was six years old, she got this little Bible and she wrote in the front of it, Christian asked Jesus to come into his heart on Sunday, March 25th, 1984. Um, it was my mom when I was a child that gave his heart to Jesus who really... Help drive that deep and who helped remind me to follow Jesus as I went about my life. 23 of your kids this week, um, sixth grade to second grade, asked Jesus to to become the savior of their life, committed their lives to follow Jesus. But mom and dads, it's really gonna take you helping them now learn how to follow Jesus. We're gonna do what we're calling a spiritual birthday party on Sunday, October 14th. Right after church here, we're gonna go over into our main building and we're gonna host a luncheon for all those kids that made decisions with their parents. And we're just gonna help parents learn how to lead their kids spiritually because it's hard for children to follow Jesus if their mom and dad don't know how to help them do that. And I hope there are some moms And some dads in the room today whose kids can say what I'm able to say. I hope when your children are older, they're able to say, the best Christian I ever met was my mom or my dad. They were just so faithfully committed to Jesus... That all I had to do was watch them to know how to follow Jesus. So that was a big day for me. Um, July 10th, 1999 was a big day for me. That was the day I became a husband. Uh, I say in 1984, I gave my life to Jesus. What was left, I gave to Danielle. Uh, in 1999, and the little bit that continues, I just continue to give and give. 17 years here in a few weeks, we'll celebrate that anniversary. Um, on July 31 of 2001 and November 3 of 2003, uh, I became a dad for the first and second time. Those were pretty big days that shaped who I am. Um, and what God has created me to do. On October 23rd, 2009, I'm sitting in the basement of a church in Seoul, South Korea. When God speaks to my heart that I'm supposed to sell everything that I own, quit my job, move to Jackson County and start a church over here somewhere that will be named Journey Church International. And I look back on that being a defining day and moment in my life. But as I was looking at the list of important days, I thought those are really important days. But then number five, I thought every Friday is the most important day of my life. Every Friday is the most important day of my life because of what the Ten Commandments have taught me. And some of you, you just lost me. Um, you know, it's like, okay, I was tracking with, like, okay, when you became a Christian, became a husband, became a father, we even get the church thing, kind of, sort of, but... You lost me with every Friday. Like, what does that have to do about being the most important day in anyone's life? I want to teach you that today through the lens of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. If you have your Bible, open up to that. Um, I, I challenged all of our families this summer in week one of this series to memorize the Ten Commandments together as a family uh, I challenged you. I dared you to post them in your home somewhere where everyone could see them every day so you'd be aware of them. And one of our families has a young lady who's in our, our uh, ministry, in our youth ministry, who's been practicing calligraphy. So her dad went out and bought her a piece of parchment and a calligraphy pen and they actually are going to post these Ten Commandments that she created for their family to follow. I, you know, I don't know if you're going to be able to do it that creatively. That's awesome. But I do challenge you to memorize these commandments together as a family because God said, if you want to know how to to follow me, learn the commandments. And here they are in Exodus chapter 20. We'll start in verse 1 and go through verse 17. It says, and God spoke all these words. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I the lord your god Am a jealous god punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me But showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments Commandment number three you shall not misuse the name of the lord your god for any for the lord will not hold anyone Guiltly who misuses his name commandment number four Remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor the foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy." Honor your father and your mother, commandment number five, so you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. I'll be preaching on that one next week on our youth camp Sunday. Commandment six, you shall not murder. Commandment seven, you shall not commit adultery. Commandment eight, you shall not steal. Commandment nine, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Commandment 10, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, here is great news about these commandments. If you are not a Christian... You don't have to follow them. As we read through the Bible, we said a few weeks ago that before God gave the rules, he offered a relationship. In Exodus chapter 19, God said, I would love for you to be my treasured possession. I'd love for you to be a kingdom of priests, a group of people that represent me before the world, and I'd love for you to be a holy nation. Do you want to have that kind of relationship with me? And the people of Israel said, we do. We would like to be connected to you in that way. God said, good, here's how that happens. And then he gave the commandments. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Apostle Peter said anyone who has connected their life to Jesus has become to Jesus a treasured possession, a kingdom of priests, a chosen nation. It's the exact same thought. You don't have to follow Jesus, but if you do follow Jesus, you have to follow him the way that he says so. So if you're a Christian in the room, these commandments are for you. If you're not a Christian... And every Sunday, we have people attend our church for one reason or another who are not Christians. Maybe they've been around it. Maybe they're opposed to it. Maybe they just don't know anything about it. But, but they wouldn't say, you know, I've, I've committed my life to follow Jesus. Then these commands aren't for you. But here's how you should listen today. You should listen today to this message and go ask your christian friend. Hey, you're a christian Do you do this because the bible says if you're a christian, you're supposed to live this way That'll really freak them out If you've got a christian friend who's always talking to you about jesus and then you start talking to them about jesus That will be a fun moment at your work. So there's still something for you to learn today The first four commandments that we're dealing with Deal with the relationship we have with god. They teach us how to love god The last six commandments, we've been saying for a couple weeks, teach us how to deal with our relationships with people. God said, if you follow me, here's how I want you to connect with me. Here's how I want you to connect with each other if you choose to follow me. And last week, we studied the first three. They taught us about the authority of God, the priority of God. They taught us about the reverence we're supposed to have for the things of God. But today, we focus on commandment number four. Some unique things about it. It's the longest commandment in Scripture by verses. It's three verses, actually four verses long. And it's the bridge between loving God and loving people. Commandments 1, 2, and 3 teach us how to love God. Commandments 5 through 10 teach us how to interact with people. Commandment 4 does both. God in commandment number 4 says, if you will love me this way, it's going to trickle down to everyone who's really, really important to you. So commandment number 4 is the one that kind of does both. And I believe commandment number 4 possibly is the least obeyed commandment of the 10. It's the one we break the most because we don't understand it. You say, well, what do you, mean you, what do you mean we break it because we don't understand it? Well, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you had a Sabbath day? Most people say, I don't know what that means. Well, you can't follow it if you don't know what it means. Well, let me ask you this question. What day every week is your Sabbath? You say, I don't. I'm not even familiar with that term. Well, you can't keep it if you don't know what it is. So a really important command of God today that I'm gonna try to teach you I believe commandment number 4 teaches us about the most important day in our life. Let's pull back from the other 9 and just look at commandment number 4. Verses 8, 9, 10, and 11. Here's what God says. Commandment 4, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. I think commandment number four offers maybe the greatest hope and the greatest guideline of any commandment that there is. I don't think you should murder. I don't think you should steal. I don't think you should kill. I don't think you should covet. But if you keep the Sabbath, I think your life will change forever because of what it will do in your heart that I'm going to try to teach you today. You see, the Sabbath day, number one, as we unpack it a little bit, is a day of contentment. The Sabbath day is a day of contentment. When is the last day that you had a day of contentment? Let me phrase it this way. When's the last time you found yourself someplace at the end of a day for me, it would be on a beach chair someplace. And you had this thought if every day were like this day, like my life would be perfect. When's the last day you had that type of day? Where you were just so satisfied with life. You were like, man, if every day were like this day, I would just have a perfect life. In Exodus 20, verse 11, we are presented with a day of spiritual contentment by God. Here's what it says in verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed. I want you to circle or underline that word blessed. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. When's the last time that somebody blessed you? You? Or when's the last time you tried to be a blessing to someone? That's a a cool word, bless. Usually when somebody blesses you or you bless somebody, it's because somebody has done something for you or you have done something really special for somebody. A blessing is a gift, which means the Sabbath day is a gift from God to you. God said, I'm creating a day of contentment in your life that is my gift to you so every now and then you can just stop and really enjoy the world around you. It's my gift to you that every now and then you're just going to be able to stop and enjoy the world around you. Jesus said in Mark 2:27 talking about the Sabbath, the Sabbath wasn't was the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus said God didn't create the Sabbath to restrict you, to make you do all these things on a certain day of the week. God created the Sabbath to bless you so you didn't have to do anything. On this day of the week. God has given every one of us one day for every week that we will ever live as a gift to just enjoy our life. When's the last time you took yours? You know, when's, when's the last time that uh, as seasons changed and maybe you went from winter to summer... And you went into your closet and you pulled out a pair of shorts that you hadn't had on in six months, and you put them on and you reached in the pocket and, and you found some money. When is the last time you found money in a pair of pants or a jacket or something that you were not expecting to find? Like, that's a good moment in time, right? When you're just getting dressed, you're not planning to find money, but you haven't worn these jeans in forever, you haven't worn shorts since last summer, you put them on, you reach in, and you feel it, and you know it's money, and your heart begins to race. Is it a one? Is it a 10? Is it a 20? You know, it's like, look, you're you're getting ready to find money that all of a sudden you have to spend within the next 60 minutes because you didn't even know it existed and you're afraid it might just disappear. Like, when's the last time that you just got this gift of money? A few months ago, um, I had one of these weird kind of clean out stuff that isn't cleaned out often phase of life. Have you had one of those recently? I decided that I was going to clean out my nightstand um, that had not been cleaned out in years like everything you get like everyone's got a drawer They just kind of put stuff in my nightstand was the drawer that I put Stuff in and i'm cleaning out my nightstand i'm throwing you know all kinds of stuff away And I pull out this dusty card envelope that on the front says pastor christian and it's still sealed I like, hey a card So I open the card And it's from a friend that had given me this card 10 years ago for some pastor appreciation something And there's a check written to me for $250 inside. That's 10 years old. I immediately scanned the check for the line that says, if not cashed after 180 days, it's void. And I thought for maybe an hour or so, you know, should I cash it? Should I not? It's like, you can't cash a 10-year-old check. Like that, you know, that's just inappropriate. Um, So after I realized, and I mean... Think about all the times you could use 250 bucks, right? Like I thought back to all the times I'd search the couch for coins. Thought back to the days I was eating mac and cheese, but I wanted Chick-fil-A. You know, thought back to the time I convinced my kids that eating like raw ramen was okay for lunch because we were at a lunch meet. I mean, it was like, you know, all those times that I needed 10 bucks. It's like this $250 was sitting in a drawer by my bed. But that gift was not realized because I, I never acted upon it. So at the end of the day, I just tore it up. Shredded it, threw it away, and maybe I cried a little bit. But, but, I, but I mean, I, I realized, man, I had this gift that someone gave to me that I just lost. Do you know that every seven days that you don't accept the gift of the Sabbath, you lose it? He's stored up. Like you can't just take God's gift to you every seventh day to have a day where you really enjoy life and just throw it in a drawer. Some of us, for weeks and months and years and decades, have been receiving God's gift of the Sabbath and putting it in a drawer and never cashing in on it. And we can't think of a time in our life where we've just really been content with who God has created us to be. You say, well, it's the Sabbath. you only take a Sabbath when you're tired? No. When we look at the creation week where the Sabbath was implemented in Scripture, the Bible says in Genesis 1, it tells us how God created the heavens and the earth. And then at the end of Genesis 1 and verse 31 through the beginning of Genesis chapter 2, it said, God saw all that he had made And it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God didn't rest because he was tired. God rest because he was finished. God didn't take a day off because like our vacation Bible school workers, He needed a a, a nap. God looked at, looked at what needed to be done. He looked at it as finished and He said this, before I just move on to the next thing, I'm going to enjoy this one and I'm going to build it into the DNA of humanity that before we just move on to the next task that we stop and we just have contentment in our life. He was finished. So, you know, I look at when we do that and I think about Thanksgiving Day. But really, the Sabbath is our weekly Thanksgiving Day. I mean, Thanksgiving Day is that time where kind of we stop. And no matter what's going on in life, we you know, many of us will go around the Thanksgiving table and we'll try to reflect on what is good. Thanksgiving Day is that one day a year where we come together and we say, you know what, we're just going to stop and be thankful for what is good. But I don't think I truly learned about the sabbath until I went to israel and I saw one my first Week that I ever spent in israel the first friday night We had we were in a really nice hotel that had a really nice buffet Downstairs and I remember we took our group down to eat which we did every night There was never anyone there and we got down there on this first friday and there like you could not find a seat the the whole place it looked like Thanksgiving Day, that's all I can describe it as. There were families of 6, 8, 10, 12, 15. Everyone was dressed up. There was more food than I had ever seen. Families laughing together, talking together, little kids playing, dressed up in their little dresses, spinning around. And I asked the guy, I said, what is, like, what, what's happening? What special day is it? And he said, it's Shabbat. That's how they say Sabbath. Area. I said, it's Shabbat. I said, well, what does that mean? He's like, well, it's Friday. I was like, okay. And he's like, well, this is what we do on Friday. And I said, every Friday? And he said, yes, every Friday night looks like this. It's a celebration of family and the things that are good. And he said, you don't do this? And I said, "Not where I'm from. Like on Thanksgiving Day, we do this. But y'all do this every week? And he said, every week my restaurant is booked. And I thought, that's it. That's Sabbath. Like, that, that is contentment. Not Thanksgiving Day once a year, but Thanksgiving Day once a week where you just stop everything. You look at all the good things in your life and you say, God, man, thank you. I've been blessed. Every week they do that. You know, the Apostle Paul taught us about being content in Philippians chapter 4 after talking about not needing everything that he thought he needed. He said this in Philippians four eleven through 13. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Paul said contentment isn't something natural in your DNA, but it can be learned. And he actually said this, contentment is a secret but you can learn it. Learning how to stop and slow down and enjoy your life doesn't come natural, but if you can learn that secret, you can learn to do anything and everything through Jesus Christ. And if you look at it, really, we see contentment is a secret that I believe can be learned through taking a Sabbath. So it's a day of contentment. But it's it's a day to give up control. It's a day to give up control. If we look at verses 8 through 10... We see God giving very clear regulations for what is supposed to happen on this sabbath day He says remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy six days You shall labor and do your work, but the seventh day is a sabbath To the lord your god three quick things about giving up control first You need to realize that the sabbath is a day to separate from work The sabbath is a day where you intentionally lay aside work and you step back not because you're tired But because on that day, you're going to trust God to take care of you, not your work. And I want you to notice the Sabbath is the seventh day, not necessarily a Sunday. I feel like our world has just taken the commandments and just made up stuff that's not there. I told you last week, the third commandment, do not take God's name in vain, has nothing to do with saying cuss words. It has everything to do with making God connected to your life seem insignificant or meaningless. Commandment number three has nothing to do with cuss words. And most people say honor the Sabbath means you have to go to church on Sunday. That is not what that means. As a matter of fact, the Sabbath isn't even Sunday. The Sabbath is Saturday in biblical Judaism. The the early church didn't celebrate the Sabbath by going to church. The New Testament Christians who were Jews celebrated Shabbat with their family on Saturday. And then after they were done working on the first day of the week, Sunday, they would gather for church. So they didn't even use the Sabbath for church. So Sabbath doesn't mean go to church. Sabbath means get up in the morning and be content and satisfied with what you have. Sabbath means get up in the morning and for one day of every week, just give up control and trust God to take care of you. You see, the Sabbath day becomes a day to trust God to provide for what you need that day instead of trusting your own effort to take care of you. And this becomes very clear when you study the history of the seventh day. In Exodus chapter 20, the people of God were given ten commandments. Before that, there wasn't a single rule or law in Scripture. They weren't anywhere to be found. The very first rule that was ever given to the people of Israel was to rest on the seventh day To see whether or not they trusted god and here's the story. It's just four chapters back If you have your bible you can flip back to exodus chapter 16 I think this is loaded in the app if you have the app in exodus chapter 16 exodus 12 is the passover The people then leave egypt They go through the red sea the army crashes on the egyptians If you're familiar with the movie prince of egypt, they get out in the wilderness and all of a sudden they realize they don't have any food There's no mcdonald's. There's no rest areas. There's no vending machines And they're like moses we're in the desert. We're gonna die. We don't have any food and we don't have any water so moses was like I don't know what i'm what we're going to do So he went to god and he's like god, we don't have any food or any water and god said just relax I'll take care of you. Here's what i'm going to do He gave him water from a rock that streamed up from an underground spring And then he said i'm going to give you bread to eat from heaven It's going to fall on the ground like a grainy type of thing god said here's the rules He said every morning you're going to tell the people to go out and collect what they need But what they need for that day only jesus taught us to pray give us this day our what bread remember? Daily bread. So that came from Exodus chapter 16, where God said, I'm going to give them enough just for each day. He said, Every day they're going to get up and go get what they need for that day. But he said, On the sixth day, I want them to get enough for two days because on the seventh day, I want them to wake up and think, God's going to take care of me. Now, here's the rules. If they go out the first day and they get enough for four days because they want to be lazy, anything more than one day is going to rot. It's, It's not going to stay. But he said, On the sixth day, I'm going to give you enough for two days and I'm going to show you. You can trust me with every seventh day here's how it sounded in exodus 16 starting in verses 4 and 5 then i'm going to jump over to verse 21 and keep reading it says the lord said to moses i'm going to rain down bread from heaven for you the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day and this way i'm going to test them and see whether they're going to follow my instructions he'd never given them any instructions before on the sixth day they're to prepare what they're to bring in and that's to be twice as much as they gather on the other days so Goes on to say they told everyone verse 21 Says this each morning everyone gathered as much as they needed When the sun grew hot it melted away On the sixth day they gathered twice as much two omers for each person and the leaders of the community Came and reported this to moses He said to them. This is what the lord commanded Tomorrow is to be a day of sabbath rest a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake, boil what you want to boil, save whatever's left and keep it till morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commanded and it didn't stink or get maggots in it. That sounds disgusting, but it's in the Bible. Verse 25, eat it today, Moses said, because today is a Sabbath to the Lord. You'll not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you're to gather it. On the seventh day, the Sabbath, there's not going to be any. Nevertheless, some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commands and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That's why on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. The people, once they really believed God was going to take care of them, it allowed them to rest. And if I could be real honest this morning, there are some people in this room who simply are never at rest because you're not convinced God's going to take care of you. I mean, there's some people here, your mind, your life, your work, your planning, your processes, they never shut down. And it's not because you're a workaholic. It's because you're a fearaholic and you're afraid that if you're not controlling it, no one is. And God is not there to fall back on when things go bad. And God said, I want to teach the people to trust me. The Sabbath is about teaching the people to give up control of one day every week. So really they'll learn to give up control of the bigger things in life and realize they can trust me. You see, the Sabbath reality is that God will take care of me. That's what the Sabbath is for. The Sabbath isn't a day where you're supposed to just go to church. The Sabbath is a day where you get up and you think, today, God is taking care of me. Every seventh day, to remind yourself, today, God is taking care of me, so maybe it just begins to overflow into every worry of your life. God will take care of me. BTW, that means, by the way, one of my middle schoolers taught me. That's how you shorthand, by the way. It's really hard to give up control if you lack contentment. And that'll preach. See, some of you don't ever want to rest and let God have his way because you're just not content with what God may have for you in life. And you're going to keep pushing for what you want, but the reality is your soul will never be filled with all the desires of your heart if any of those desires are on top of your desire to just be connected to God and be with God. So if you can have contentment, you can begin to release control And here's what it amounts to, which is why this is my favorite day of the week. It amounts to, number three, a day of companionship. I want you to see verse 10. It's pretty powerful how God walks us through this Sabbath concept and this Sabbath command in Exodus chapter 20. First part of verse 10 says, The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And then here's what it says. Listen to this. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. You know, you look at verse 10 and what God had to say. This is probably a pretty appropriate Father's Day message. Hey, Dad, I don't know if you heard this real carefully, but it's your responsibility for your family to take a Sabbath if you're leading your family spiritually. Hey, Mom, if you're leading your family spiritually, it's your responsibility. God was speaking to some parent in there when he said, honor the Sabbath Because for you and for your kids, you're going to be in charge of this process. You are going to teach your children what it looks like to be content spiritually and materially. You are going to teach your children what it looks like to give up control and say, we just trust God for what we need on this day and for the bigger things of life. Maybe the greatest Father's Day gift you could ever discover is this gift of the Sabbath. Maybe the greatest Father's Day challenge you could ever discover, Dad, is this challenge for the Sabbath. And some of you say, well, you know, I just don't have time to take a day every week. Okay, well, what if it's not about you? Do your kids have time for you not to take a day every week? In Genesis chapter 13, we meet a man named Jacob. His grandfather was Abraham, his dad was Isaac. It came from a pretty important spiritual family. And he had a falling out with his brother, so much so that his brother wanted to kill him, so he ran away. He didn't see his brother for 20 years. Some of you have similar experiences. You've, you've been divided from your family for a time. A lot of tension. After 20 years, they finally got back together. Jacob and Esau, his brother, had this reunion. And Esau wanted Jacob and his entire family to kind of come live with him. He was the older brother. He would have loved to have stepped up and taken care of Jacob's family. But Jacob said, I'm not going to be able to move at your pace. And here's what he said for you dads. to say I'm too busy Too busy to take a Sabbath day. Jacob said to his brother, let my Lord go on ahead of his servant while I move along slowly at the pace of the flocks and herds before me and at the pace of the children until I come to my Lord in Seir. You see, Dad, it's your responsibility every week to pull back and be with your family, to wake up content, to wake up satisfied with your life, To know on this day God's in control so you can spend 100% of your focus on your sons and on your daughters and on your family. Moms, dads, that's your responsibility. Hey, bosses, hey, business leaders and business owners, I don't know if you saw this real clearly, but it said you need to take a Sabbath. And if you have anybody who works for you, your male and female servants, if you have anyone that you're leading or that works for you, it's your job to make sure they're taking a Sabbath. You're responsible to teach them and show them that one day a week you just stop to enjoy what you have You give up control and you spend time with the people closest to you And you do it every seven days because the checks that get thrown in the drawer never get cashed And then for those of us in the room who are christians You know why I think this command is given to us Because we live in a world especially for some reason this community of kansas city That just has to be as busy as any place on planet earth No one has time for anyone in this community. But what if every Christian took a Sabbath so that the community looked at Christian families and said, man, I don't know what's going on with them, but they seem to be the, they're always with their family. Christians seem to be the only ones who always take time or make time for other people. Like, I don't have time for anything, but they're going to small groups, and they're serving at church, and they're hanging out at youth camp and vacation Bible school, and like their family spends a day together every week. How do they do it? See, it it could become our greatest witness to our community. That because people are important, we stop every week and spend time with them. You see the sabbath doesn't just allow for relationships to be strengthened. It commands it. It's a command Because god is important and people are important And here's the coolest thing about the sabbath Here's where I got really excited as I began the last few weeks to study on the sabbath to teach the sabbath because I never really realized this until the last month The sabbath is a picture of eternal life It's a glimpse of of what every day in heaven will look like. And when I began to understand what the Sabbath stood for and what the Sabbath pointed to, I thought, holy cow, I cannot wait. If this is what heaven is like, I cannot wait to get there. Because Hebrews chapter 4 says that the Sabbath day points to an eternal Sabbath rest that is every day. The author of Hebrews says, there remains then not just a Sabbath day, but a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Can you imagine a world where every day you wake up, totally satisfied with the state of your life, totally content with the state of your life. Can you imagine a world where every day you wake up and you're not worried about anything, you're not bitter about anything, you're not wounded by anything, you don't have any concerns about it. Can you imagine a world where you wake up every day and think, this is going to be the greatest day of my life because I have everything I need. Can you imagine a world where you wake up every day and you're not worried about what you have to do because you know God is totally in control of everything and you trust him completely with anything and everything in your life. So you wake up and you're not worried about what happened in Orlando and you're not worried about what happened in the Middle East and you're not worried about the election in November and you're not worried about your stocks and your bonds where you wake up and you're just totally and you just think, man, God's got everything under control. Can you imagine a world where you wake up every day and your first thought is, this is going to be a great day because God's got everything under control. Can you imagine a world where you wake up every day and you know the goal of that day is to spend time with the people who are most important to you and you've got an entire day to do that. Man, if that's heaven, sign me up. An eternity, day after day, Waking up without care, waking up without concern, waking up totally satisfied with life, waking up not worried about what I have to do, waking up knowing that I'm going to get to spend time with the people close to me. If that's heaven, I'm in. And the Bible says you get there through Jesus. You see, Jesus in himself is a Sabbath rest. Because in Jesus, you have to give up control of whatever you think is going to allow you to make it eternally and say, God, I'm going to have to trust you for this. You see, Jesus is the only one where you have to become satisfied with who you are. And you have to say, God, I just recognize I am always completely separated from you without Jesus. But coming to that conclusion and knowing Jesus is there, I'm content to rest in Jesus. And Jesus, before he left, told his disciples, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so you'll never alone. You'll always have spiritual companionship if you walk with me. I read an article just a few weeks ago on a survey that was done of a group of people that were 95 and older. That was kind of the, the scope of the survey was you had to be at least 95 to take it. And they asked people, 95 and older, if they could live their life over again, what they would do differently. And here were their top three answers. Number one, take more time to get away from the daily grind of life to reflect on life. Take more time to get away from the daily grind of life to reflect on life. Number two, they wish they would have been more courageous and been willing to risk for what was most important. And number three, they would have tried to invest and do more things in things that would outlive them and go beyond them. Think about yourself at 95, Thinking back on all those uncashed checks of a day a week. Thinking back on all those days you did not spend with your family. Thinking about all those hours you worried where you should have given God control. And wishing, man, if I could do it all over again, I'd I'd do it differently. You know, I'm so passionate about this because when we started our church five years ago, we partnered with an organization called the Launch Group out of Atlanta. And we went to them and said, will you help us start our church? And they taught us this concept and they said this. If you and your wife and your staff will not obey the sabbath concept, we will not help you We are not interested in planning churches where the church makes it but the pastor's family crashes We're not interested in planning a church where you work seven days a week to build a church But you'll never take time for your kids if you and your staff won't do this We won't help you. We're not going to give you any money. We're not going to give you any coaching We're not going to help you get established But if you commit to this we're in Up until six years ago, Danielle and I did not live our life this way. This wasn't a part of our family, this Sabbath concept. Today, you would have to kill me to get me to violate it. It is the single greatest thing that has happened in my life, in my marriage, in my parenting, and really in in my life of worry, in my anxiety, and everything else. Giving every seventh day to God and saying, this one's yours, you take it, and learning that one day I'm going to get to do that every day, Man, every Friday night when I hit my knees, Friday's our staff Sabbath, I pray and I say, Lord, if heaven is like this, I can't wait to get there. Like if every day in heaven was like this day, seeing a movie with my wife, eating dinner with my kids, not answering my phone, not returning my emails, not worrying about stuff, if every day's like this, man, I can't wait to get there. And through Jesus, we can